Welcome to episode two of the Women-Centric Transport Dialogue Series. Hi, I'm Timothy Maurice, a behavioral psychology author, and what a privilege it is to partner with Nangabso Matabesimaponya to bring you this inspiring podcast series. In episode two, you're going to hear a riveting conversation led by Nangamso herself about the obstacles to innovation. You'll hear from industry pioneers in their own work, and they'll be introducing themselves. You'll hear from Misela Nklapo, Malebo Matulong, and Ukeka Mashalana, all pioneers. As they introduce their work and their vision for the transportation sector, we would like you to consider how you can reduce the obstacles to transportation innovation in your own world. Enjoy. Hi, ladies. Hi. I am so delighted to have you here. I This is my opportunity to be asking questions. I'm going to be gaining all the experiences from your wealth of knowledge and experience that you have. So we, I'm just going to give you a quick in, uh, opportunity to to introduce yourself to the audience and quickly tell us why you believe this is a conversation worth having. So I'll start with you, Masela. Hi, um, good afternoon. My name is Masela Ntlapo. I am the CEO of the African Rail Industry Association. I hate the title. I rather consider myself as a CVO, a Chief Visionary Officer, because to be able to achieve some of the miracles that we need to achieve in transport requires a visionary leader, particularly from our point of view, from the rail industry point of view. We represent um, original equipment manufacturers, mostly um, OEMs, international OEMs, and the local companies we are in support of Black economic empowerment, particularly the support of participating in this sector. But we, we have views uh, on, on how the structure of the railway sector could look like and how as women could participate better. And um, I do not like uh, rather the waging around that allow women to participate. I would rather uh, uh, prefer the wedding around move out of my way because it's, it creates an impression that somebody needs to give you a permission. I don't need anyone's permission. I just need people not to prevent me or find unnecessary excuses to allow me to be, to provide meaningful input on where transport sector, rail sector should go in terms of how we empower women in this country. Thank you. Thank you, Missila. Um, I'll ask Bukega. Go in and introduce yourself, please. Uh, thanks, Nanga. Um, afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Bukega Masuchana. Um, I have been in public transport, uh, in particular buses, uh, for over 10 years now. Uh, currently, I'm, trans I'm consulting uh, in transport, uh, in particular the BRTs, because um, that's the space I've been uh, for the past five years um, at least. Um, I must say, Nanga, I'm very excited um, for you having started um, uh, this, this um, I don't want to say movement, but it seems like it. <laughs> 
Um, I know we've spoken uh, a couple of times and I'm very, very encouraged that um, out of the talks you have started something. Um, look, I believe that um, we, we know what the statistics is uh, in terms of women representation in transport. And I don't think we should look outside of ourselves uh, in changing the landscape. I think that um, what you've started, Nanga, uh, being a woman in the sector, you know the challenges. And I'm encouraged that uh, knowing the challenges, you are doing something um, about it. So I'm very happy uh, to be part of this. And I'm also looking forward to um, contributing and learning from other um, you know, uh, thought leaders uh, in the sector as well. Thanks. Thank you, Bukeka. I'll allow you, Malevo, to come in. Thank you, Nanga. Uh, my name is Malevo Matolo. I'm a professional civil engineer and I've worked in the transportation consultancy services majority of my 20 year career. Currently I'm a sole director of my own transport consultancy firm and uh, I'm humbled, I'm grateful um, for this particular opportunity and uh, I think I am here because I consider myself a change agent. Um, I'm passionate about women issues in my sector uh, and in particular uh, if you look at a, a bigger picture uh, we can't talk about economic growth, we can't talk about poverty eradication, we can't talk about uh, empowerment if we really don't include women in that conversation. So hence I am here today and thank you so much. Thank you very much ladies. I want to open up by um, referring to Emma Kinsey's Global Institute report called Power of Parity. This report states how slow progress in gender equality efforts present a missed opportunity, particularly for this continent. So why are we struggling to make meaningful headway, especially in the corporate space, in the industries in South Africa? Considering that our status in the continent, we are considered a, a, a more advanced, more economically strong economy, country. We are overtaken by countries like Egypt, Rwanda, Guinea, and Liberia in terms of um, women equality, their efforts towards uh, um, achieving gender equality. So why do we perhaps have an issue of the, as a country of privilege fighting too hard to lose their privilege, allowing meaningful particip participation by those who have a contribution to make. I also want to say, we can sit and, and decide that we are not fully represented. We don't have a voice, but here we are. The reality is we are here. We, we ourselves are in positions of influence. What really are the obstacles? and challenges within our spaces, according in our experiences, what are the obstacles and challenges in us making a headway in providing for this inclusive transport environment? Malibu, do you want to maybe take a step? 
I'll, I'll do that. Um, and, and maybe with the hat that I, I normally wear, uh, uh, as I maneuver this environment, I deal a whole lot of uh, times with uh, policy decision makers, with planners. And I think where we have missed the mark mostly is a clear understanding and a comprehension of uh, gender equity as a core value. Uh, and in particular in how we, we enshrine it explicitly in transport um, related policy. I mean, I can give you a history of, of where we are since uh, uh, the dawn of the democracy, where we have established the department as an example uh, that is mandated to uh, conduct uh, sector related research uh, gender issues uh, uh, included, a, a department that is given a, an opportunity to formulate legislation and to also put policy in place. But if you really look at um, all the policy that they put in place from the white paper in 1996 to the NLTA National Land Transport Act uh, of 2009, and then to a, a, a vision that they build for a future of 20, 20, 2050 in their national transport master plan, you scramble around all those policies that are sitting uh, and supposed to guide us and give us direction of going somewhere. Yes, they've done well in uh, redressing certain aspects like uh, uh, apartheid, but if you look at how they treat gender issues in those, uh, it's quite evident that we, we remain really limited in, in the legislative framework. Um, and then if you shift the focus a little bit, look into where I, I, I operate majority of the time in the planning, in the, um, in the uh, design and the implementation, there are myriad of layers that I think are obstacles. Let me give you just two, right? Uh, the first one I want to talk to is around the collection of data and the type of research that we are doing. I personally think we haven't reached a point where we can understand the, the mobility needs of women and girl child in general. Um, uh, if you go into our sector and you throw a concept like a chain tripping, you talked about it earlier uh, as you were talking to, you know, women move from one mode to the other people are baffled about what they are supposed to do. We are still stuck and hung in a old fashioned way of, of, of planning and designing because we don't want to get out of our own comfort zone. Uh, we sit there, uh, you ask traffic engineers, how do you plan uh, for women in how you model uh, traffic? They'll tell you, ah, it's not important. I'm looking at business, uh, uh, business uh, trips in the morning and in the afternoon. And the, the, that's the worst case scenario. If I've looked at it, I've catered for everyone. So, so already you could see, you know, there are layers and layers of an onion that we will need to really unbundle and understand if we want to, to, to address this issue a, a more in a systematic way. Thanks. Thanks, Malebo. I can relate to one of the things you mentioned 
in that there is really no coordination. A lot of people don't mm. know what to do. An example, I mean, I went through, I was going through the, the economic recovery plan after COVID, the post-COVID economic recovery plan. And there's no mm. mention, there's no single mention of how women will be assisted in, in that process. And the, the, the interesting part is women have been heavily impacted by COVID. The, the, the jobs that women are, are doing, they were impacted more than jobs that men do. The retail industry was affected more. Hospitality mm. industry was affected more. Those are, the, those are the jobs women participate more in than men. So, but I want to come to Bukega. Bukega, you mentioned something interesting. You say um, we need to look, we don't have to look outside of ourselves to find the solution. So in saying that, I want to say that in, in I mean, there's, there's evidence that Africa has the largest women representation in boards. However, in middle management, we have 25% um, participation versus the global average of 17% in board participation. Whereas within, in the management, in middle management and executive, that representation is lower. So given that there's women in, in boards that we are leading in the world in terms of women representation in boards, what is it that women are not doing in those positions? Can you, can you go back to that, that looking within ourselves and say, what is it that we are not doing ourselves before we look to the, to the next gender for the solutions? What are we missing? I think, um, Nanga, it's about when uh, given an opportunity, for example, to, to lead, um, whether you are on the board or you are in top management um, in, 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 in a transport company, um, it's about knowing that you are not that's just there to continue with the status quo. Um, you are there um, to change the landscape. Um, I, I, I like making this example um, about when I was leading the BRT system in Swane, the bus company. Um, I get there, um, I see the numbers um, that we all know that women are not represented um, in, in, in transport. Um, then what do we do? Because we want to change um, that landscape. Um, so what we did was to partner with um, TITA, the Transport Education um, what is it? Um, say, um, authority. Training authority. Training authority. Yeah, training authority. <laughs> um, we, we partner with them to say we need women. Uh, it doesn't matter where we start um, as a base, but we see that there is a challenge that women are not in the transport sector. Um, Tita agrees with us to say, no, something needs to be done and they've got funds available. So what we did was um, we went to the taxi industry. I think most of us are aware of the structure of the BRT system. We went to the taxi industry to say there are women um, in, in, in the taxi industry. They might not be taxi drivers, but a taxi owner um, might have a wife or a daughter who is sitting at home uh, who would need skills uh, to participate in the transport um, 
industry. Um, so we did a recruitment to say we need 40 women, um, but we were deliberate to say they must come from the taxi industry. Taxi owners must identify um, their wives, their kids. Um, so we ran a, a recruitment process. What we did that is um, different is that we said those people are sitting at home. Uh, some of them have got metrics, some of them have got degrees even. Um, with high unemployment um, in South Africa, we know that people with degrees are sitting at home looking for jobs. Um, we then um, ran a, 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 a program where we trained them. We said, as long as you've got a code eight, you can drive a car. We can definitely train you to be able to drive a bus, for example. It's an entry. Um, and once you enter the company, there is no stopping you to apply for a supervisory um, uh, position, for example, but it was just to make sure that we break that also stereotype that women can't drive buses. And we know buses that are, um, are, um, are, are being produced now that um, you can actually um, get, I could actually get code 14 and drive that bus because um, the systems are so advanced and it's not like driving those old buses that, that we know. Women can drive those buses, they are not uh, that strenuous on them. So we recruited 40 uh, women. Um, and I'll tell you something, Nanga, that out of that recruitment process and the training, they went through a rigorous training um, on driving a bus and also communication skills. Basically, we equipped them um, with skills that will not only serve them as bus drivers, but will serve, serve them in integrating into the company and into the business. Um, the statistics that we ran and that we got um, out of that uh, of, of those women within a year, we could clearly um, see the trends that in, when it comes to even accidents, yes, they were making a lot of minor accidents, but we never got within that year that we, 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 we ran the trends, um, there was no major accident that was caused by women the handling of the bus itself. You could see and you could tell um, the difference between women drivers and male drivers. So you're talking also there about cost saving. When you employ women, um, you are able to save costs because fuel um, usage, we're not revving, uh, they were not revving buses like <laughs> men do. So it's you're talking about behavioral, you're talking about uh, cost saving, you're talking about, there, there, there were just so many things that we, we, we could um, identify that we made the right choice uh, for the business itself, but also addressing um, some of the societal problems, being unemployment, uh, being women not participating in the transport sector, um, and, and um, you know, just um, the, the career itself to, to, to deal away with that stereotype that uh, women can't drive buses or women can't drive trains or women can't be uh, pilots yes. um, to, to show that, you know, the space is there for them. So I'm, I'm just saying that it's, um, it's, it's, it's about deliberate, it's, it's about being deliberate, uh, yeah. Nanga, when you are mm. in those positions, whether you're on the board uh, or in top management. In top management, we always complain that women are not represented 
um, yes. in the sector. But it's about when you are given an opportunity to lead, what do you do with that position? It's mm. about identifying other women and giving other women um, an opportunity to enter the sector. I think it's mm. about that being deliberate to, to make changes um, within the, the transport landscape. Thank you, Bukeka, and thank you. I, I'm actually so glad that we have lived experiences so that when someone is listening to this conversation, they see the practical examples around what benefits come with including women in our transport system as, as part of operators. So I just, I just want to go into a different point now. I mean, policy certainty plays a significant role in designing a women-centric transport system. Marcella, you mentioned this in one of your articles. Tell me, is this the problem we are dealing with in South Africa? Are we having a policy certainty issue? What is our policy environment and how can we improve that to, to, to be able to achieve an inclusive transport system? Uh, so I think we, we write the most beautiful English as um, the policy for formulators. And um, if I can start rather from the continental uh, point of view, one of the visions that the, the economic development of uh, the continent must rely on Africans, particularly uh, uh, its women and youth. So it's, it's uh, for women is also plus, 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 but not necessarily saying that we are in, in, in investing in women is not the, the, the economy we must benefit. Oh, by the way, we need to include women uh, uh, as well. Then coming into, in, into the country, the, the planning and, 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 and the policy makers of which I think maybe we are partly responsible of making sure that um, we, we bring our chem chairs into those tables so that we can influence what goes into the policy, what goes into, into, the, into designing a, a project. So I have placed myself in a position where I'm black, I'm female, and whichever stage that I participate in, that must come out. And that must also, uh, those that are participating in those spaces, they need to know that my views on how policy, policy affects women. Looking at currently, there's the, uh, the National Infrastructure Plan for, for 2050. It talks about trans, uh, transport to, as a, a means of um, unlocking the economy. But there's no way in the conversation that specifically targets the plight of women and the women that we only engage in in August. When a, a project is looked at, it's a, a matter of the risk, the returns. So when we are constructing policy, when we are looking at the design of um, different transport systems, including, including rail, we don't look at women. So it's our responsibility, those that have a seat at the table, to bring this and, and, uh, and to fight very hard for women because most of us are not in those spaces. My view is that if I don't have a seat at the table, I, I bring a camp chair because it's, uh, I'm not only there representing myself, I'm representing in Tabiseng, Sbongile, Nomasonto in South Africa and the entire continent. Um, how we change this um, with the economic reconstruction and recovery plan 
It talks to the national development plan, and there's another plan, a medium term strategic framework. Uh, it's, it's a lot of plans. But as private sector, and particularly women in private sector, we must find this as an opportunity that once we have all those lovely plans to implement this, private sector needs to come in and play a very crucial role. And what goes into the implementation of different policies, we have an influence in those spaces. If I sit on the, on, on the board, I don't go and sit there as a board member. I sit there as a board member representing the marginalized in our society. So the policy directive, government talks past government. Um, um, the, the rail policy has been hanging on since forever because we, we don't have a vision as a country. We, we, we have completely lost it. We are not aligned. I mean, I've listened to some of the countries that you, you have mentioned, it mentioned your, uh, Rwanda. They have, a, they have a vision, they have a goal that must be attained. So all their policies, are centered around what is important for the country, including taking, making sure that the women are not uh, um, placed in danger or, or at a disadvantage. So if, if I use public transport and I go through uh, a, a small taxi from, from, from my gate probably uh, to where I'm gonna get a taxi, then eventually a train station, then eventually another taxi, it goes back to the very same policies that are supposed to uh, be the backdrop of the constitution. Actually, um, cost women and their families a lot. I grew up in a single uh, parent household. Mama left uh, work very early in the morning and she, she worked overtime. So women actually miss out on raising their kids because they spend so much time in traffic let alone the, whether it's safe or not. Um, the taxi, taxi industry, I don't think it's safe. My, my lived experience says it's not safe. Um, we had a, march, a, a women's march in a few years ago where women marched to, to, to north uh, the taxi, taxi rank. All this we can have, we need to have a, a government, we need to have a predictable policy that guarantees that women are able to contribute significantly so in an, an, an economic environment that supports their talents. And as I said earlier on that, yes, I don't want to be empowered, I am empowered, but I need to, to be in an environment that is safe in order to deliver my best. Coming back onto the rail industry, still male dominated, you know how it looks like. Um, one becomes a, a, when you go into meetings, you already get, go there, you go guns blazing because you know what the environment looks like. But, and then you, you tend to forget who you are because the policies in place and the rules in place do not support a, 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 a nangam, so that is a woman. You mm -hmm. constantly go in there to fight. But when we go into the spaces, let's remember that, that we are yeah. here to make the changes, not necessarily participate in a process. Mm. We okay, are responsible um, for the change. Ms. Missela, thank you very much. And I love that you are sharing experiences, you're sharing ideas and your own um, analysis of what the environment is doing to the transport system and what the environment is doing to 
an ordinary woman. So I'd like to pose a last question. We've got three minutes left. And Mesela, I'll give you an opportunity to take a step. It is, and one minute. We are closing Women's Month and we know how gender-based violence in South Africa is prevalent. We know how women are, are constantly being looking for protection from government, from institutions, from society, but we're not getting that protection. The question I have is, does the, tra the poor transport systems have a role or the contribution to this gender-based violence in the country? What can you say? You can't have a government that does not treat gender-based violence as a, as a pandemic and expect them to have a women-centric transport. So it goes hand in hand. And uh, policymakers in, in our spaces, I think we need to add more value to the conversation and ensure that the plight of women is uh, um, uh, highlighted greatly. But also like to add Nangamso is, is that the spaces that we work in as women, are quite toxic. So mm. we also need to support each other in our workspaces. Um, the workspaces that women operate in should not be a, 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 a start to enter a mental institution. So we mm. need to protect ourselves from this toxic environment by, by supporting each other. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Bukega, you've got one minute. Is the transport system perpetuating gender-based violence? I um, echo Mesela's um, points, uh, Nanga, um, but I think it's about what should be done um, going forward. I mean, we, we see innovations and I'm, I'm happy that the topic is about innovation um, as well. We see in other countries, um, you know, uh, governments moving, uh, changing policy and even um, transport operators uh, taking a stand to innovate systems that will um, address women challenges. Uh, for example, in countries like Russia, you will see that um, in, in peak time, there are, um, you know, carriages, if it's trains, that are um, designated for women. Um, we know that at peak time, the first two carriages are dedicated for women, and there you are addressing safety um for women so i think the the it's about doing um rather than talking about what the challenges are um and i think it's about holding hands um society government uh planners designers to make sure that um the 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 issues um that women face on a daily basis in transport um are Thank addressed uh, and in a, in in turn addressing the the gender-based violence Thank state. you, Bukeke. Malibu, do you have a comment? We're uh, exactly six o'clock. We're going to be chased out I of think, this panel just yes, now. I think my colleagues have, have covered, but I, I just also wanted to, to highlight that, you know, we are a country of so many structures. Um, I looked at the uh, National Policy Framework for Women Empowerment and uh, Gender Equity as I was preparing for this conversation. And I was baffled by the many structures that we have. Mm. Uh, so it looks like uh, we have opportunity to vent, but uh, how we consolidate ourselves and start holding 
uh, these structures accountable is also very important for us to move forward uh, and address this gender base that we also contribute towards as a, as a sector. Thank you. Thank you very much, Malibu. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for your contributions. I am encouraged that we are not a, a group of women who just want to have a conversation, but we are a group of women that has a role to play, that have lived experiences and can help drive the country to the, to, to the change we want to see. I am going to hand over back to Matsuho to prepare for the next panel discussion, which is more about solutions than obstacles. Thank you. Thanks so much again for choosing this content and do share with someone who cares about gender equality and the rights of women to be transported into their goals and dreams. In episode three, we move from obstacles to innovation to practical innovation with another exciting panel. Until next time.